You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards, and Taylor Polendo. Let's face it, none of us go to bed at night wishing we spent more time on our phones that day. We never think, if only I'd spent more time on my phone, it would have been a perfect day. It won't surprise you to learn that cell phone usage is up more than ever. In 2019, researchers estimated that we spend approximately three hours a day on our phones. But in 2020 and early 2021, estimates have grown by more than 25%. Think about that. That means that we're on our phones over four hours a day on average. It makes me wonder if those numbers are even higher. It seems like some people are always on their phones. In one study by Zenith Analytics, nearly one-third of American respondents self-reported that they were almost constantly online. Do you know someone who seems obsessed with checking in on everything and everyone? I have one friend who seems to switch from one app to another in a matter of seconds. There was one study where they examined how often individuals switched their screen activities. And guess what they found? It was approximately every 20 seconds. With the obvious high levels of use around us, some people fear that the overuse of cell phones is hurting our ability to pay attention. In 2013, there was a report claiming that the human attention span had fallen from the average of 20 seconds to just under 8 seconds. And they cited in this study that humans now had a lower average attention span than goldfish. Goldfish, they reported, had a 9-second attention span. Wait a minute. Are they saying we have a lower attention span than goldfish? Well, it turns out this report was widely distributed through news channels, but only later determined to be unproven and non-peer-reviewed. It wasn't accurate. It's a relief to hear that we're not competing with goldfish. But why did this article get so much traction? Is it because we worry about our ability to pay attention? There has been a growing body of research around the problem of fubbing. Now, fubbing is a term used to describe what they call phone snubbing. This is when someone uses a phone or is distracted by his or her phone when in the presence of others. So whether you have used the label of fubbing or not, we've all seen it and or done this behavior. Now think about a time when you were about to tell someone something and they turned to their phone instead of paying attention to you. These researchers called the fubber, the person who starts the snubbing by paying attention to his or her smartphone, and the fubby is the person who is ignored at that moment. Now, unfortunately, it seems like fubbing happens more and more. Have you ever been fubbed at work? Roberts and David conducted a study on supervisors fubbing their subordinates, and they found that fubbing reduces employee engagement by undermining supervisory trust, and this in turn lowers employee engagement. This raises an interesting question. Are we just addicted to the internet, or is it just that we lack self-control to stop fubbing? Well, researchers from the University of Kent examined everyday phone use to answer these kinds of questions. And they found five key findings. The first one was that self-control was a negative predictor of smartphone addiction. So if you have self-control, you're less likely to be addicted to your phone. But if you have more self-control, then you're going to be less addicted. They also found that internet addiction and fear of missing out were positive predictors of smartphone addiction. In other words, if you were more addicted to the internet and you feared missing out, then you were more likely to be high in smartphone addiction. 
So then is the real problem centered around the idea of addiction? Does addiction translate into giving more attention to your phone than those around you? Indeed, the researchers from the University of Kent also found smartphone addiction and fubbing were positively correlated. So if you aren't very addicted to your phone, then fubbing behavior was not really a big deal. But when the smartphone addiction was high, so was fubbing. Now, these researchers wondered about the relationship between fubbing other people and being fubbed. In other words, if you choose to give your attention to your phone, or you're someone who gets ignored by someone on their phone, were you more likely to engage in this practice? They found the answer to be yes. Fubbers were more likely to be fubbed and vice versa. But the most interesting question they asked was about normalizing fubbing behavior. Is it normal to do this? In their study, their answer is that it is normal for some people. Their research showed that fubbing behavior was correlated with the perception that fubbing was normal. In other words, for those people that thought it was a normal behavior, they regularly engaged in it. Of course, this doesn't mean fubbing is normal for everyone. Think about it. Is fubbing normal for you or is it normal for the settings that you find yourself in? If so, how does it affect us? And is there a cost to fubbing? Habuchi has argued that using mobile phones can negatively affect interpersonal relationship quality, driving up what this researcher terms the telecocooning effect. Now, what in the world is telecocooning, you might be asking? Well, it's when you and I decide to prioritize our technology above other people. What it means is to choose the communication to flow through the technology versus talking face-to-face. What it means is to skip out on the difficult conversation and text it instead. But it doesn't just have to be texting. It's using any form of technology to get out of the interaction. Now, you may be wondering, well, what's the issue? Is it just having the phone out, or is it when we actually do something with the phone itself? Well, several studies have compared conversations when phones were physically present and conversations when phones were not physically present. So what do we mean by physically present? Well, we mean by having the phone out, you know, sitting on the table. So in one study, researchers tested empathy in both situations. And they found that in conversations where smartphones were present in the interaction, the individuals reported lower levels of empathy than in situations where the phones were not physically present. So think about it. In situations where the phones were out, empathy declined. But the news is worse. Another study found that perceived relationship quality went down as well. And so if we think about it, they are supporting the idea that having our phones out may not be a great idea. So then why do we have our phones out? My excuse is that I do it for work or just to keep in touch in case someone needs to reach me. An important variable in all of this is the idea of accessibility. When my phone is out or when I fub others, I am making myself accessible to whoever might be reaching me through my phone instead of the person who is physically in front of me. As one person put it, cell phones bring you closer to a person who is far from you but it takes you away from the one sitting next to you. One study explored what they called high accessibility stress. You know, the idea of being constantly accessible to everybody and the stress that might be associated with it. These researchers found that high accessibility stress was associated with regular stress, sleep disturbances, and symptoms of depression for both men and women. Now, in face-to-face interactions, Allred and Atkin found that cell phone addiction and anxiety were positively related. They state, these findings suggest that cell phones serve to improve communication with distant others 
while also posing a potential threat to the quality of the communication with co-present others. So what do we do about all this? Well, one answer is to work on our skill of attending. Very simply, attending is the activity of giving our attention to something. And you and I can select what we pay attention to. According to Klein, we also decide how strongly we pay attention and for how long. So we pick what to focus on, how strongly to pay attention to it, and for how long. One group of researchers examined what they call attention span persistence. And this involves picking out and focusing on relevant information and then sticking to a task. You and I can develop our attention spans by practicing listening for understanding. We can practice being focused. And this is especially recommended for children. In fact, McClelland and colleagues found that children with significantly higher attention span persistence were more than 48% more likely to finish college. According to them, being able to pay attention does, in fact, get you something. So what the fub? <laughs> Should we start with my quiz? Oh, my God. I'll start so negative. <laughs> Wait, you have a flashback from getting a quiz from me? Is that, am I triggering you, Taylor? I'm not prepared. I'm nervous. All right, let's. So either of you can answer this question. Okay, so here's the question. The world population is 7.85 billion people. How many smartphones are currently in use? Oh, wow. More than, more than people. Interestingly, at work, they said that on average, one single person on a plane will have five devices. So that seemed shockingly high to me. So I'm going to say at least double that. Okay. The answer is 10 billion Wow. So 7.85 billion in the population. Okay. 10 billion phones being used. I have two, one for work. Yeah, I have one for work and one for... Taylor, you have two phones? Yeah. I have one for work and one Did for... Did you one? Uh-huh. Whoa. Wow. It's crazy. What was that voice? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Okay. So next question. How many times does an average American check or unlock their phone each day how many times hold on check slash unlock can i look at a calculator sure my guess is like a hundred meredith's just calculating some important things here she's checking her phone i'm gonna say 150. you are correct meredith 150. dang that is now, insane that is insane because you don't know how to do math. That's why it's more insane. Oh, well, the quantitative research was in my favorite class. Oh, I know. I don't know. Not favorite subject. We're not willing to throw the whole class yeah. in the trash. I was like, going to be proud of myself for one second until my teacher told me I wasn't good enough. Good job, Meredith. You're amazing. Exactly. And also noted in this article is that we laugh approximately 15 times a day. That is depressing. So yeah. Sad. No, it is. So we check our phone or unlock our phone 150 times a day, but we laugh 15 times a day. Okay. Another question. What percentage of smartphone users say they can't live without texting? What percentage of smartphone users? 97. Ooh. <laughs> oh my 
gonna go 57. 20%. Oh, okay. What? Can't live without texting? You can't live? Oh, I can. I don't know why I connected that to social media. Wow, I really bombed that one. <laughs> That's okay. All right, last question in the quiz. How many text messages are sent worldwide each day? Oh my God. Oh my goodness. We have those people that literally send like one word at a time and then they hit a period and like they're throwing off the number. <laughs> That's true. That's uh, true. There's seven something billion people. How many messages 7. are sent every day? 7.85 billion people in the world, 10 billion cell phone users. How many text messages are sent worldwide, not received? So just the sending stop. Calculator. One second. We'll be oh, right back. Geez. I want to know what math you're actually doing right now. <laughs> I'll go with the uh, 70 billion. Wait. Don't give me the answer. I'm almost out of my math. I'll say it's got to be more than that, right? 10, 10 a person a day. I'm going to say 165 billion. The answer is 23 billion. Oh, oh wow. wow, I was really off. Okay. Well, no, that's okay. <laughs> Way because off. the other thing to factor in is you don't have people, you have some people that never send text messages. Yeah. Like my dad has a smartphone and he only turns it on to make calls and then he turns it off right away to save the battery. You're right. <laughs> oh, <that's nice. laughs> 23 billion text messages sent, which adds up to 270,000 text messages a second. Oh, wow. Connection. And you both have passed my quiz. Thank you very much. Did we pass? Yes, you passed. C's get degrees. That's great. <laughs> uh, was that directed at me? I feel personally attacked. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I usually come to this podcast prepared, and I was not prepared for that. I was not prepared for that information. It just seemed like a fun thing to do. And but, but I got one right, so I feel like I got a B and Taylor got a C. You do feel like that? Thank you. Because <laughs> grades are based on feelings. <laughs> the message received is the one that counts. <laughs> oh, boy. I enjoyed it more oh, than I thought I would. So I count okay. for something. It's, it's always good to go in with low expectations, Taylor, on most <laughs> topics. So what about those studies where the phone was just sitting there? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lack of trust in your partner. That was scary. Yes. And empathy, trust, empathy. That was interesting. Empathy went down. Yeah, and that's, which is very interesting because phones are pretty much always out, and maybe not everyone has their phone out, but someone generally does. But I've had relationships where the person will place their phone up, so screens up. But have you ever been in a relationship with someone where they constantly place the screen down? And if you can visualize, like when you set your phone down. People that typically aren't hiding anything or, or whatever. It could be good thing or bad thing. Now, that's so funny. You would take it to you're not trusting of them. And I would take it as a sign of respect that I don't want to see the screen light up. So they put it down so they're not yes. distracted by it. I see that too. I, I've done that in my own brain. So it's not like it, every time I receive it like that way. But yeah. I have had relationships where you're already almost wondering something and then that habit mm -hmm. forms or like if they go to the bathroom, they have to take the phone with them. Guess how many users have dropped their phone in the toilet? I've done it at least twice. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. At least I've twice. I've never dropped my phone in the toilet. You don't put okay. your phone in your back pocket then I see. Bonus quiz question. What percentage of smartphone users have dropped one, one or more times in the toilet? 
10%. No, I want to beat Taylor. I want to beat Taylor. Don't give the answer. Hold on. Let me, <laughs> let me think about this. 35%. 19. What? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're talking about tele. So tele cocooning. Are you talking about the Hibuchi? Yeah. That was fascinating to me. That made me think about 2020. What'd you think about it made me feel like I, I mean, at least for my work and in a lot of parts of life, it's almost like we've been forced to tell a cocoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to be honest, there's a side of my brain that started out hating it. Then I was like, well, I'm in it, started loving it. And now I've reached another point where I'm like, I miss human interaction. Mm-hmm. It's like bad. <laughs> it's interesting. Like, can you selectively tell a cocoon? <laughs> Oh, I think people do globally, for sure, to avoid a lot of interaction. We, we have regular communicators that do that, mm-hmm. where they're uh, highly avoidant across situations. Mm-hmm. And then there are some people that do it strategically with some people. And mm-hmm. I would say I am not a telecocooner, but I have used it to avoid negative situations before, where yeah. I'll text somebody something I don't want to hear their face-to-face reaction to it. So it's a little easier on me to text it. So then I don't have to entertain the face-to-face pressure of that. I'm not proud of that, but that I think that's a strategic use of it. It's kind of a blessing and a curse, though, because I know some people that they can express themselves where they can pause and they can write it down and review it. And they can take five minutes where if you're in front of someone and for five minutes and they're silent, it's difficult. I typically do not like intentional conversation and text message, but I found some people in my life almost need that to start off. But then I kind of want to challenge them. But then I'm also like, but there's the time and a place, I guess. What I'm thinking about is this broader concern. And you saw that in in some of the things I said about the attention span declining potentially. Is this fubbing behavior, is the telecocooning translating into skill deficits? That's the big question. Hmm. And if it is, that's highly concerning, whether that be having a a conversation or whether that's holding attention or being able to say something that's not possibly going to be liked or unpopular. You guys are triggering my uh, high stress accessibility. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that I fully have felt that. Really? I feel it all the time. I have felt that because... I felt like I was either going to let someone down. I was either going to let the person I'm with down or let the person who was asking me questions and I was ignoring down. So I felt like if I wasn't on my phone and I'll have excused myself, maybe I'll go to the bathroom if I really need to text someone back. I've recently let that go and now leave my phone in my room. And Well, and it cuts down on dropping it in the toilet. So that's, that's a plus. <laughs> that happened. But yeah, I used to feel like I was always disappointing someone. Yeah. The, I don't know. This high stress accessibility is like mind blown emoji where the brain is exploding. <laughs> okay. So, so tell us about how you experience it. What does it feel like? I never in my life thought about that phrase, but something about like putting words to things you feel feels. So just the phrase high stress accessibility it's fascinating. But then that you connected it and I'm thinking like, oh, people that get stressed out. Well, I'm not typically a stressed out person. So maybe that's not me. And then you talked about sleep disturbance. And 
I get nightmares quite often. Mm. Can I have a TC4G about being aware, create like mm-hmm. a limit for myself and wonder if that will affect my sleep? I think it absolutely would. I've started sleeping with my phone in airplane mode and there is something so relaxing about knowing that there's no even reason to check my phone because no, there's nothing there for me because I've turned off all communication and I think it will improve your sleep by far. But I, I sleep very deeply. Like it's not that I don't hear the phone go off and wake up. I just have nightmares. But you know that someone could contact you. You know that you're accessible. And when you turn that accessibility off, something happens. And I have felt that. I hear you. But now I'm thinking, well, what if someone I love has an emergency? And I think about that. And I think that they'll contact Ralph. I let him have the stress. Or um, <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> like, I've always heard that. Like, what about an emergency? And never in my life. Has there been one where they could contact me and I could have done anything? Leaving my phone in my room all day or there is something that you've I physically feel of like a release of not being accessible. I love that you brought that up because I drew in my notes a little tent and I wrote camping. Mm. And, and it, I love camping. I love being outside. But sometimes when I'm on the way to camping, part of my brain is not even thinking about camping. It's just the fact that I'm going to not have access to my phone. Mm -hmm. And I want that so bad that I have to go somewhere to get it. Hmm. Oh, interesting. So when you're camping, though, do you feel the relief of not being accessible? Yes, because it's not possible. So I can't I can't feel guilty. There's no access like I can't do Mm -hmm. it. I, it's a weird sensation. Like I'll at least once have a thought like once in a car ride on the way to go camping where I'm like, I'm not going to have service. I'm yes. so glad I'm not going to have service. I don't have to feel bad about not having service. Mm-hmm. It's the same as getting on an airplane, right? As you say, oh, I got a five hour flight. I'm not accessible. Like feels good. What I'm hearing from this conversation though is do we feel we don't deserve setting boundaries in this way? Like I don't deserve the time off from the rest of the world having access to me? Because I'm wondering if we could view it that way and say, why wouldn't we have times where we just say not accepting calls right now or texts or whatever? Mm-hmm. No, you're right. And it's necessary. So we should get into this other section, which is about fubbing and being fubbed, being seen as normal. So I've had situations where I have been in a situation having a fairly serious conversation and the other party has gone on their phone, making me feel things like dismissed, unimportant, not valued, diminished, giving me feelings that I'm wondering if the relationship is as hearty as I thought it was. But when you turned on your phone in a serious topic, you appeared to disregard me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's normal. There's a whole group out there that sees it as very normal to be fubbed and to fub. And that's just, we're fluid with our phones so much that we're just have that as a feature of the interaction now. I hate that. What do you hate about it? I, I find it incredibly disrespectful. Whether or not it's the message you intended to send, I receive it as Mm -hmm. feeling devalued and unimportant. Mm -hmm. Meredith, are you on your phone right now? (laughs) No. 
I'm picking my hands because I'm nervous. Because <laughs> you're too accessible. We've stressed you out. No. Have you heard of podcast accessibility stress? <laughs> I have a, the attention span of a goldfish, I have learned this week. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was a false study, but it, it's still, I actually looked it up today. Somebody republished it in 2021. It's oh, from wow. 2013. It went through all kinds of news networks and everyone went, oh my God, we're paid less attention than a goldfish. They're nine seconds, we're eight. If you break it down scientifically, you gotta spend a second there going, wait. So we measure gold, gold, whether a goldfish is paying attention and we can measure that. Mm. It's just actually, can you though? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> That's <a> good. <laughs> Okay, so I got to tell you this thing that CNBC covered recently. In China, they have now created something they call pedestrian lanes. So these are sidewalks that have a special lane what? for you to walk and text. Oh my gosh. They're created lanes for if you want to walk on the city street, but you want to do it while texting, you have to go in that lane. Oh my gosh. Because we've all done that where we've run into someone. And I had this over the weekend, actually. Somebody blocked me and they were on their phone. Just And I thought, I'm trying to actually go somewhere, but you're trying to do both. <laughs> Move, bitch. Oh. <laughs> you're not walking well and you're not texting well. Fail. I heard that no one is very good at multitasking. Everything you're doing, you're now doing a poor subpar job. We're not meant to do that very well. I would say pedestrian. Yeah, pedestrian. Can't walk and text. There's a ton of people who have died because of that, right? Yeah. But I mean, even just walking, like they'll walk into a sewer hole or they'll walk into traffic. Do you think we'll ever have a... No idea. Maybe in big cities, maybe in New York or Chicago or Los Angeles, perhaps. You know, I've been to China, also to Japan, and I know there's certain areas where there's such high traffic mm -hmm. that I actually could see that because of the number of people changing directions to a train station or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. And it will certainly be interesting to see how it plays out wherever they put them. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. So let's get into our TC4G challenges. Okay. Try. I think for me, the TC4G challenge, so trading comfort for growth challenge, is I think I'm going to try to start using airplane mode more. Yeah. I hmm. love airplane mode. Because I don't mode. use it except for when I'm on an airplane. Oh, really? I'm very straightforward like that. <laughs> when I'm... What did you? That was really funny. Can we not skip over that? This I... was only intended for airplane. Over that? I I only use airplane mode when I'm on airplanes because I'm very straightforward like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. I mean... It's what can I say about that? When we were talking about the airplane mode as a boundary, I thought I deserve a break from accessibility. Yeah. Hmm. I deserve that break. What, when do I want to give myself that break? I should be giving myself that break regularly. It feels good. I'm be honest. It feels really good. Yeah. Thanks for that advice. I think I'm going to, I'm going to try to give Tommy the stress of the middle of the night contact, <laughs> you know, cause I'm visual. I, I want to find some really beautiful Google picture of a tent and make that my wallpaper. Because when I think about camping, I, it's like this freedom, this release of, it's like my mom used to call something like geographical distance. Like sometimes when you're having like things going on in your life, you just need geographical distance from it all. So you can leave it where it was. 
Taylor, yours. You gave us our trading comforts for growth this week. Oh, so no. Um, <laughs> I want to practice my attention span and how to grow that, the persistence. I want to practice that. Um, I thought that was really interesting. And I would love for my attention span to be longer and better. Like I've even noticed watching a movie, I'll pull out my phone. I'm like, why am I watching one screen? And <laughs> yeah. I have two screens now and I'm just, I'll catch myself just scrolling through things. So um, I feel like we're kind of losing that art with that. Can I have a light bulb moment? I just had this thought that I might want to put a sign on my front door that says, we recommend, and then a little airplane emoji. So it says, we recommend airplane mode. Let's just be here. Because I, I've been having this thought a lot in entering my 30s of stopping to always have to produce something constantly and mm-hmm. learning how to just be and being yeah. is okay. And it's not just okay, but it's good. And so yeah. if I can recommend airplane mode, I can learn how to just be a little bit better. We mm-hmm. recently have done that at family holidays. They just had the whole extended family up in the fall. We did a fall day. And the requirement, I said, the ticket of admission is your phone. And I collected everyone's phones. Mm. And while it did backfire a little bit because we didn't have very many photos of the event, I felt like that it wasn't like that costly. Um, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed having everyone's full attention at all times. As you can see, we have so many choices about how to use technology. So let's review. We've learned about current cell phone trends, fubbing behavior, and research related to fubbing. We've discussed choices that people make to tell a cocoon as a way to avoid face-to-face interaction. And we've identified ways to reduce high accessibility stress and ways to increase our attention spans. Well, thank you for joining us today. And please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.